Davis, do I have your attention? No. Do I deserve it? If I think if you want to sit on my shoulders and call yourself tall, you have the right to give it a try. But there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. The minimum amount. The rest of my attention is going to be on Through the Lens, where my colleagues and I are doing things no one in this room, no one in this station, including, and especially you, Alex, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. Of course, if you recognize that monologue there, <clears throat> you can tell what we're going to be talking about today on Through the Lens. We'll be talking about some Aaron Sorkin scripts, those being The Social Network and Steve Jobs. And of course, we have two ports, I mean, two guests, I mean, printer and modem, I mean, Cameron and Ainsley in here, the studio, with us today. And of course, before we get into the news, we have to pick up our product from the cleaners and yada yada, drop the through the cleaner, drop the through, it's cleaner, uh, computers, art, any other quotes you want me to get out of the way quick now? I think that'll do it. That was... Uh, flight attendant, this man's has a bomb. He's arming a bomb. <laughs> I love <laughs> working with business majors. <laughs> <laughs> I was Ron Death Santis in the movie. <laughs> Incredible, Davis. I really... Oh. I, clearly... You gotta work um, on your acting, I think. But it's okay. I, I you gave me a few minutes of prep time there. I wasn't sure uh, I was supposed to say it. You just had to say one line. It's like I one of the so. most iconic lines in the movie too. Yeah. So what was I supposed? How how should I have said it better, Davis? So my point was. So you just sounded like you were. I think you sounded like you were just reading a line. We. But I was trying to give you a line. I gave you this line in specific because you have in the past gotten on, gotten onto me for this exact thing. So I thought you could handle reliving that moment. Yes, so I like, think so. So I could have been like, Alex, Alex, do I have your attention? Ah, uh, okay, okay. Natural, yeah. natural. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's okay. Look, we, we learn, we learn. Just like the Through the Lens PSA where you sounded like you were reading lines. I'm I mean, you got on to me for ad-libbing, but that's beside <laughs> the point. Anyway, obviously this is Through the Lens, as Davis said. Cameron's back in the studio after our Little Women and Ladybird episode. And then Ainsley from Eagle Eye has joined the uh, show for the first time ever. Ainsley, how are you doing? Doing good. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Excellent. Doing pretty great. Excellent. And, of course, we're talking about The Social Network, I believe, one of your favorite movies. Oh, yes. yes. I have petitioned for this forever, and they finally gave in to my whims. Well, it is a pretty good movie, so it did, it did take a lot of convincing, I would say. Now, as Davis said, we got to do a bunch of random quotes in the movie, but we've also got to unpack the trivia. There's a lot of quotes. Aaron Sorkin's very quotable. He is very quotable. I've been watching West Wing. Oh, I'm named after a character in West Wing. Uh, Ainsley? Ainsley. Yes. Ainsley yeah. Hayes. That's how Dang my it. mom. That's how my mom convinced my dad to name me Ainsley because he thought it was too unusual. But then a character in West Wing was named Ainsley, so I got named Ainsley. That's pretty incredible. Who are we waving to? Uh, we're waving at Adrian. It looks like in the uh, in the uh, good old station manager's office, now also known as Weagle Bullpen 2.0. Now, da hey da now. Davis, hey, pay attention. Let's not bring our petty drama to the podcast. <laughs> no one needs to know about to the, the culture we're trying to change. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we're trying. changing the culture. Our, yeah, clearly. Um, our trivia questions. Who played Lawrence of Arabia? Anybody know? Anybody know? Anybody? Definitely not. Sorry. Cameron? Uh, uh, was it Pedro Pascal? Peter O'Toole. <laughs> Pedro Pascal is in everything now, so that's a fair guess. Yeah. He's on TikTok. He's everywhere. <laughs> yes. Bless that man. The new thing is that's still that video where it's like, ah, Pedro, here's the, here's definitely the best way to ask the last question in the interview. Who's more daddy, you or Oscar Isaac? And I'm like, this is a an interesting... They're playing into it. Modern Daddy's journalism. Mo modern journalism, indeed. It's not funny anymore. I watched the, speaking of modern journalism. Oh. Um, I watched the interview with Ryan Gosling and 
Harrison Ford with that British lady when, oh, during the Blade Runner twenty forty nine press run. I vaguely remember that. It's the most animated That's I've ever seen so Harrison funny. Ford in an interview. He's very funny. It you, just you, popped up on my for you page like five minutes ago, and I rewatched it as well. I watched it this morning. <laughs> you could um, refresh the audience, Dave. They're exactly. just they're just they're just cutting up, and they're having she's cracking jokes, and Harrison Ford's loving it. There was and a, he's joking back. It's there was awesome. a quote from Harrison Ford that I saw going around yesterday where he's like, "I don't have social anxiety." I just what did he say? He's, he's he has he has a physical abhorrence to boring situations or something like that. <laughs> Which, Which man is hilarious. I, that's a, what a great line. That is a great line. I wish I could come up with something like that, but clearly I can't even read the most basic of lines. And with that, the other okay. trivia question, what is the last shot in Christopher Nolan's film, Inception? Uh, Do you want you me to say? Read? You can uh, say anybody it. Who Was can it guess. the bomb going off? <laughs> what? <laughs> so when, uh, when uh, it's like the MC. Oppenheim, oh, Oppenheimer yeah, yeah, yeah. built the bomb and Oppenheimer and then the guys running Christopher backwards. Nolan's newest black and white film. Yes. yes? Yeah. Of course. And then you know? comes back in time oh, and tries no to idea. stop him. You have no idea? <laughs> Respectfully, <laughs> I've never <laughs> seen Inception. You've never seen Inception? I know. Overrated. I know. I, I, I'm inclined to agree. Yes. I'm inclined to not agree. It's good. But it's fine. I quite like it. It's not as good as the movies we're talking about today, but. That's I true. That's true. I wouldn't know. Uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's, Boom. that's, that's, that's that, now that you mention it, yes, that is, that is a correct point. Well, it's a spinning top because. The whole film, as many who have seen it may may recall, centers on the idea that if the top doesn't spin, he's in a dream. If the top, or if the top doesn't falter, he's in a dream. And if the top does falter, then it means he's in reality. And he spins it one last time, and it ends on the cliffhanger of cliffhangers, it, wondering it if you're in a dream. It, I mean, it's yeah, not but not a cliffhanger. It falters. You can then, hear it fall. But then in the Oh, really? In the credits. What if oh. he was just dreaming that it did that? Is this oh. red pill, blue pill, or am I thinking <laughs> That's Matrix. That's the Matrix. No, okay. And he goes, so... look again, Neo. <laughs> Anywho, with that... And he's bald? Yeah. That's in the Matrix. He's bald. <laughs> bald characters exclusively from the Matrix, according yep, to yep, Davis. Yep, 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 yep. Really, thank you for that, Davis. Incredible um, stuff. Our new segment is a lot thinner, again, because we've done three episodes in seven days, so... Alex is really working me to the bone here. Uh, I'm going to drop dead after this episode. Well, Davis keeps saying he doesn't know how long he'll live, so that's not, now you're you saying you know. You misunderstand my quote. Thank oh. you very much. It has to come naturally. I oh. said that to my TA this morning. What? Thank you very much. No, the I don't know if I'll be a lot. What, what was it? Everybody's trying to get me to plan things so far in advance, and my 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 classic line to get out of it, it goes, I don't know if I'll be alive in two weeks. See, I said that to my TA, and he said, I'm, re- I'm I have to report. I'm an editorial. <laughs> oh no! I, was like, I didn't mean I didn't mean it like that. Oh That's my god! Yeah, but you get the thing—the way you say it really depends on. I say I could be dead in a ditch in two weeks is how I say it. But sometimes recently I've been flubbing it, my own line, and making it making it sound worrisome. That, it's okay. Yeah. Are, are you okay? Next time somebody yes. asks me what's going on a month, be like, I don't know. They're following me. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a fan outside right now. You like Sean Parker. From yeah. the social network, they have they tapped your phone. They tapped my phone. They did. They tapped the phone. Wardo, Dakota Johnson's there Wardo. somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. There's a snake in here. Well, oh yeah, yeah. That's my yeah. favorite Sean Parker line. I there's not there wasn't a snake in there, Alex. I, I know that might gone over your head. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. That's like smosh. That's smosh yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Cartoons. <laughs> you know smosh. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. Alex, can we get into the news? Yes, we absolutely can. So first is the AMC debacle. Is that is how debacle. I label it. So the country's largest, this is a long quote, but I just want to get, because I don't want to miss any of the information, so I want to get as many specifics as I could. This is from a Vanity Fair article. 
The country's largest exhibition chain is rolling out Sightline at AMC, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location within the auditorium. Similar to music concerts, sporting events, or Broadway, moviegoers will have an option to pay more or less for admission depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. In effect, front row seats will be available at a lower price, while seats in the middle of the theater will be available at a higher price. The initiative kicks off on Friday at select AMC locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas City, and will be expanded to all domestic AMC locations by the end of the year. There will be three, diff- three different seat pricing options. The first is standard sightline described as seats that are most common in the auditoriums and are available for tr- traditional cost of a ticket. Then there's value sightline referred to as seats in the front row of the auditorium as well as selected ADA, which I believe is the American Disabilities Act seats Correct. in each auditorium and are available at lower price than standard sightline. Value sightline pricing is only available to AMC Stubbs members, including the free tier membership, for whatever reason. The third option is preferred sightline, which are the seats in the middle of the auditorium and are priced at a premium to standard sightline seats. AMC Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats in the preferred sightline section at no additional cost. Theaters that (laughs) offer sightline at AMC are expected to provide a detailed seat map that outlines each seating option during ticket purchase process online on the AMC app and at the box office. Sightline at AMC is applied to all show times that begin after 4 p.m. at participating locations. It is not applicable on Discount Tuesdays when all movie tickets are discounted to $5. That's a lie. I tried that the other week, and they didn't give me a $5 discount. Well, it's a this is according to uh, Vanity Fair. How are they going to enforce this? Are they going to have, like, armed guards? Because, you know... <laughs> Show me your ticket! Only, like, five people go to any given movie. That's true. Why wouldn't they just buy the cheapest one and sit in the middle? The most... They, they're going to have people go in there and be like, yeah, show me your ticket. I mean, speaking from experience at the two AMCs we have here in the Auburn Opelika Megaplex, they don't have enough staff to police the actual lobby, let alone police the theaters. What about the police that was there? That's true. Okay, that that's a whole other <laughs> whole other thing entirely. Who they had knows? a seat reserved for the first responders at our Skin of a Ring showing. Yeah, they did. This for go. Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> that with also the he bad popcorn, okay. of course. Davis, you were going to say something about this in regards to the AMC sort of... Oh, what are they going to do if I just... What, what about standing room? If it gets so packed, what if I just stood? That, I a think free you'd, ticket? Get, you'd get yelled at most likely. No, I'm not in front of anybody. I'm like standing in the the stairs. Yeah, like I'm just leaning like That's a, a like, like I'm a dad that walked into the living room while like safety AMC. hazard. No, I'm not. just saying. a fire hazard. You can't have a, stuff in the I walkway. Could, I could get out of there quick. Yeah, but not everyone behind you can. Well, I'll be out of there so quick they won't have to worry about me being in front of them. No, I'm already so, I'm, nope. I'm already out of there. Thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm just saying, as an A-list member and a Regal girl, life is kind of good right now. Uh, wow. She just called sitting me on poor. A, sitting from the high castle, so, spitting down upon first the, of all, the peasants. Like I said on Compact Discourse on Tuesday, if you tuned in, um, AMC is killing movie culture itself, but mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that is... Then go to Regal. Go, just go to Regal. The yeah. one Regal that was left in Mobile was a dumpster fire. I'll be sure to go to the, the, the so many Regals in Auburn. Um, the, the plentiful now, Regals. Our Mary friend, Georgia, though. Davis, a uh, good, good friend of uh, maybe the show and friend from high school, Connor Bishop, replied to my tweet about AMC's decision saying, this makes no sense because they can't even create a better experience to match the higher prices. They're really just raising price with nothing good in return for consumers. And this is kind of the problem here is that AMC makes all their money and is very popular simply because they own a monopoly. Especially speaking from experience here in Auburn, neither of these two theaters offers a good experience at all. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, at least Davis, on when we saw the movie on Saturday. Mm-hmm. The big D screen is blurry, and it's been that way since I saw Wakanda Forever there for no reason. I didn't notice. I, 
You seen Cameron? You seen like you felt my that? It is blurry. It it's is weird. Blurry. Wakanda Forever was like yes. that. And I thought I was, I was like, I thought I was missing glasses, something. So and here's blurry. something that j- you just gave me an idea. Connor said they can't make the experience better for the massage people that pay chairs? more, but they could make it worse for the people that pay less. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so true. there's an optimal viewing angle. There's a there's a drip. There's a water <laughs> dripping on you the whole movie. It's like, yeah. it's like people in iPhones that like if you don't have the newer iPhone, your iPhone just like kind of stops working. Yeah, Broadway. yeah. Steve Jobs. Oh, right, there you Segways. go. There you go. I really Two think parts. it is It is kind of embarrassing <laughs> because of the fact that it just, it really is about the fact that AMC does not provide a good experience to warrant the pricing, period, let alone to warrant premium seating for a lackluster experience in a theater where the AC doesn't work or the sound just comes from the screen and nowhere else. Frankly, I'm just there to watch a movie. I mean, yeah, well, but- I, did, I haven't noticed the screen being blurry. Okay, yeah. I, 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 AC. I, didn't I didn't notice. I, I, I was wearing my glasses, so. Yeah, D- Davis had enhanced vision. He had some carrots beforehand, and then nope. he had his glasses. <laughs> not how it works. <laughs> not, not at all? My radar was off. Oh, so yeah, of I had to eat any carrots. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I just think it's a little ridiculous because, like, it's just what they don't they provide just... an experience worth the price already, and now they're like, ooh, well, get premium seating for the same lukewarm. Like, it's n- there's nothing really special about it at this point. It's like, which vibes. is why that Nicole... No, there is nothing about the vibe. The no. And for Nicole Kidman. No. Frankly, if I could just watch all the movies at home, I would. I, like, literally, if AMC said pay moderately less money to rent it and watch it at home one time, I would pay the exact same amount of money. Just do that. Every single time. But you can't because, like, movies like The Father that are on Amazon are, like, buy f- rent for $20, which is not what you're paying at AMC. So, technically, AMC is the preferred choice in those cases. But literally, if AMC went to... Create a streaming service where you paid ten bucks to watch a movie. I would do that, but then I, you don't get the theater. You don't Who get Nicole. No, that's the whole point, and that's the whole. That's you can what just watch the YouTube video of Nicole Kidman about that Nicole Kidman commercials. Number one, it's convincing us to go to a place that we're already at, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. And number two, we come to this place. One, two, she's lying. What? She's just lying. What Nicole Kidman's lying? entire commercial is like, oh, we come to this place for what? Hey. The movies. experience? The vibes? No. You be nice to Nicole. I, no. She's doing her best. <laughs> Leave or, her alone. I do her like the atmosphere of a movie theater. Yeah. The when audience. it's not packed. But the movie theater around here, that's not often happening. Black Panther was the most packed I've seen it recently, and even then. I don't know. It wasn't Pretty cool. sparse. Yeah. Uncharted was the other one. But no Way Home, it was packed. Thor Love and Thunder, decently. Um, Uncharted, surprising amount of people. I didn't go see Uncharted here. It wasn't worth it. I no Way Home was packed, it. though. I went and saw it. The guy did a backflip in ours. Well, really? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, no, I say that because when I went to see Avengers Endgame, I had a dude dressed up as Doctor Strange with, like, the shining time stone blaring as he walked up the steps. I think you, so. I think you watched the movie with Doctor Strange. <gasps> That's when crazy. I saw No Way Home, I sat next to a dad who was sitting in front of his daughter on a date. <laughs> in front of? <laughs> you yeah. like it cheaper by the dozen, too? In front of? Wait, you mean behind? Yeah, no, in front of. Wait, wait. That's what? the most what? Sub- yeah, he was a just, suboptimal he, spot. I know, right? He was just kind of, the entire movie, was, he was looking back at her. He was like, what's it? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I bet he was, wow, interesting. Yeah, it was strange. I was sitting behind all of my friends. I got like you, the one. You helped, I got in a row by myself and the dad. You could have talked to the dad. You could have, hey man. I don't want to talk to him. What's this when date? I'm... What's the deal with this? Yeah, do you like him? <laughs> do you approve? Is he in a band? Sweaty <laughs> questions. Yeah. That sounds fun. It, it, yeah, it was all right. Well, with that, I think our AMC discussion is probably the done Northman, for now. The Northman, that was another one that had a decent amount. Yeah, that was a good movie. A good though. movie. Yeah. 
I liked it. When I saw the Batman, there was like an eight-year-old kid there. Felt bad for him. Probably when I saw, when my we, my we saw Batman Morbius. theater was pretty packed here. Mine was too, and then my dad started drinking wine and fell asleep in the middle of it. But other awesome. than that, was pretty, it was Luke pretty fell asleep when I saw it with him. I had to wake him up. It's <laughs> a valid response. I mean, oh, wait, Luke, are you asleep? He went. <laughs> <laughs> Shrugs awake. What? Where did you see? Just as your standard AMC. I saw it four times. So I saw it four four. You spent twelve hours watching the Batman. You really thought it was that good. I went and saw it with other people, not by myself. Davis didn't see it with me. You weren't in town. Wow. I think I was. I was I'm shaking, say, I I'm, I'm shaking my head no, because he was not in town. I uh, saw it with... It doesn't matter who I saw it with, but I just went and saw it with different people. <laughs> Fair enough then, Davis. Fair enough. I Do think you our, at least have those like free tickets that they were handing out on the concourse that one time? Oh, yeah. I got a I free ticket. A, I took a picture with Paul Atreides on the, uh, one time. Um, at an event that they were sponsoring with Dune, and the photos disappeared from existence. I want to see it. <laughs> Use his Bene Gesserit powers to. He <laughs> Yeah, he used the voice. That's true. Delete those photos. I'm really excited for Dune Part Two. I must admit, I don't know why that. I just keep remembering that it's coming out, and I really like the first one. I feel like it kind of. The second one's gonna be a musical, though. So. Is oh, it, thank goodness. Is it like Florence Pugh in the new one? Yeah, yeah. everybody's in the. She's new the one. queen. She's the princess. Right. I'm down for that. Yes. The girl from the first, the original one, where she was like talking. Monologue. I don't remember the fir- the original one is like a fever dream. I do not remember any part of that movie. It's like Morbius. I remember a lot of it. It's kind of cool. Not I good, saw, like, but it, it had some cool remember ideas. When, remember when the dude, the Baron, started floating? <laughs> <laughs> and Sting was in it. Sting was or in it. Started- it was literally Sting or Flea. No, what? what? Flea was the Red Hot Chili Pepper. <laughs> what? They have what? similar names. <laughs> Flea- no. Flea- anyway, <laughs> some could a- say Flea Stingy. AMC discussion done. According to Deadline, Matthew McConaughey is in talks to star in a new series, which would be a continuation of Yellowstone. The Yellowstone cinematic universe grows every day. However, the original show Yellowstone is reported to, is reportedly set to end with a spectacular conclusion. Lincoln's going to show up. What? Didn't they just start another series with Harrison Ford in it? Yeah, it was 1883 and then like 1903, and now here we are. I didn't think this franchise was that big. It's the we- it's a western. You can make it as big or as small as you want. They they they've made it very extensive. Yeah. Where are they getting are this many people watching it? Yes. People love Yellowstone. I only saw like the first um, two seasons. Taylor Sheridan know Tyler Sheridan knows how to write. So. Is, I thought it was Taylor Sheridan. I think it is Taylor. Is it Taylor Sheridan? Davis, how do we know these things? We're hosts of a podcast and we don't even know our information. Whatever. Oh, it is Taylor Sheridan. He knows what right. he's doing. Wind River? Wind River, Sicario, and Hell or High Water. Sutton listened to our Wind River No Country episode and said that he didn't like that we didn't talk enough about Wind River. I think it's a fair criticism. What? You didn't even listen to the episode. <laughs> I was on it. Yeah, as if you remember. Ah, eh, whatever. Quick, what? who huh? was on that episode? JP. Wow. Boom. Shocking. I remember things, Alex. I don't believe you, Davis. The- oh, here's something that I know you'll be very excited about. The first trailer for Air starring Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as Nike's Phil Knight in Sonny Vaccaro was released. It's the it prequel to Plane. <laughs> the one with Gerard Ger- Ger- Butler. And then Plane. there's the, then there's the sequel. sequel. From a tweet. I saw the same tweet. Oh, oh I-, I, was, out. I was about to Boom. give credit, but Boom. I'm not going to now. Wow. wow. Fine. Wow. Fine. Fine. Wow. Be like that. <laughs> anyway. The dream team. The movie is... The movie I is about as it follows. It follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete of, in the history of sports, Michael Jordan. If it's anything okay. like Ford v. Ferrari, I'm all in. Yeah, but... I love advertisements. I just saw the trailer, like, this morning. There's a trailer? Yeah, that, yeah that's they just what, dropped the trailer. That's what the news... 
<laughs> no wonder Jackson texts me about attention? air all day. No, he isn't paying attention. Are See, that's how you should have read own? the line. Something uh, like that. Sorry. <laughs> My. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. I tried my very best, Davis. The rest of your intro is pretty good, though, minus my part. Fine. I thought it was done really well. Oh, thank you, Ainsley. I oh, I was all... talking about Davis. Well, I mean, they, I, I, as the the uh, entity Alex and Davis cor- Incorporated, uh, I say thank you on our behalf. Oh, We are okay. not incorporated in any state, Alex. <laughs> okay. 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 Oh, that um, I, I, I don't know if anyone was going to say anything. Now, the last bit of news, then we can finally move on to Yippee. more important things. Our benevolent overlords, Disney, are in trouble. Disney Plus has lost 2.4 million subscribers in the first quarter, and they laid off 7,000 employees. However, the machine keeps on chugging. With announced projects, Toy Story 5, because nothing is sacred anymore, Frozen 3, because every movie needs an end to a trilogy, and Zootopia 2. Also, Bob Iger announced that a new Avatar experience is coming to Disneyland in California. And additionally... Reports are saying that The Little Mermaid will be completed by March, but a trailer has aired and the film is releasing in May. So that's a lot of fun things. Any, any comments on our Disney overlords? Davis? I'm watching the air trailer right uh, now. <laughs> Viola Davis? Do I? Ha- do we have your attention, Davis? No. Are you listening to us? You have the do minimum we, amount. Do we deserve it, Davis? No. Oh. You can sit on my shoulders, whatever it is. So you're tall. Anyway... Whatever. Um, any any comments on the world of Disney just moving forward with a Toy Story five and I feel like I've made my thoughts on Disney very yeah I'm not gonna see that That's I'm true. not seeing any of those movies I'll go see the Little Mermaid and probably the new Frozen because I like Disney I grew up as a kid who went to Disney instead of Six Flags so what, I'll go wasn't that most kids to be no fair. but like when I was four years I old live, they, <laughs> they put me on the, I live like twenty minutes away from Six Flags so it just didn't make we sense. live like Two hours away from Six Flags. But not, yeah, but like... Yeah. Not anymore. It's gone. Ah, uh, whatever. New Orleans Six Flags? It's done. I knew that was Chris Tucker. <laughs> I'm so glad that Dave's having such a fun time over there. There's uh, one in Georgia, though. Yeah, but that's far away from us. You know what the Six Mobile Flags people. are? Uh, no. It's like a... Red. Green. Well, no, it's, rep- it's representing the Six Flags that flew over Georgia. Oh. Oh. And Texas. Uh, oh, yeah, because the, the corporation is like Six Flags over this, Six Flags yeah. over that. Yeah. Cedar Point. Davis, you got any? Uh, Do you know what they are? Uh, for Texas, it was Mexico, Spain, America, the Confederacy, um, oh. the Republic of Texas, and then one more. France, maybe? I don't know. And then Georgia was? Hold on. Uh, that was probably Spain, France. No, not France. Spain, America, Confederacy. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the idea. I, I get the idea. Not Fair. the Confederacy. What? I said not the Confederacy. Well, you know. It is what it is. Uh, Shall we get into the movies? I don't really, yeah, I don't I, don't I love know. movies. Yes, I love indeed. Movies. So, I love working again. with business majors. <laughs> <laughs> News very light, Disney in trouble, but let's talk about happier, more exciting things. The Social Network, a film which stars Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg, Andrew Garfield as Eduardo Saverin, Justin Timberlake as Sean Parker, the founder of Napster, Army Hammer as two people, Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, Max Minghella as... Divya Narendra, I think I'm saying mm-hmm. the That's name correct. right. Yes. Brenda Song of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody fame as Christy Lee, Rishi Jones as Marilyn Delpy, and then let's see, that's John Getz as Cy. Rooney Mara makes an appearance as Erica Albright, and then Joseph Mazzello as in the kid from Jurassic Park as Dustin Moskovitz. 
Hmm. And also Dustin Fitzsimmons as the Phoenix Club president. I don't really know why that person's listed on. And then, of course, Dakota Johnson as Amelia Ritter. And Aaron Sorkin makes a cameo as an ad executive. The film is directed by the great David Fincher, who's made all the good movies ever. My favorite director. He's pretty great. Made Seven, made Zodiac, made Gone Girl, made this. Very lengthy resume of just making really good movies. The Girl with the Alien Dragon Tattoo. Panic Room. Alien 3. I don't know about that one, Dave. You almost, you almost got me there. Almost. Screenplay by be by the incomparable, incomparable, whatever you way you want to say it, Aaron Sorkin, who has written incredible shows such as West Wing, The Newsroom, also written a lot of great movies like two that we're discussing today. I've been in some directorial debuts lately. With Charles of Chicago 7. Yes, Charles of Chicago 7, and more recently being the Ricardos. I'm going to talk a bit about how he got involved as well. Cinematographer by Jeff Cronenweth, who did Fight Club and so many other movies, including Gone Girl and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Very big collaborator with Aaron Sorkin. And then the music from the great duo of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. We're definitely going to be talking about that. The film premiered at the New York Film Festival in 2010 in September, and then U.S. release on October 1st of 2010. It's only two hours, and on a pretty modest budget of $40 million, made $224.9 million. This is The Social Network, or as we learn halfway through the film, it should just be called Social Network instead. What do we have to say about this movie that tells the story of Mark Zuckerberg building Facebook? Obviously, we're going to talk about the historical accuracy of this film and Steve Jobs collectively because... They're both incredibly inaccurate. Yes. Yeah. There were some great artistic liberties. And oh. oh, I was gonna say I know the book that the social network's based off of. Everybody who like loves the movie ends up reading it and says the book's a whole lot more boring. That makes sense. That's how yeah. a lot of these go. So yeah. I, I even like saw like the big shorts supposed to be really boring, but the movie's so good. I even saw one person who worked within like the Facebook world at least spoke on it and said the reality is we were just coding and ordering pizza and doing more coding, and nobody wants to watch two hours of that. So they're taking some liberties with it. I appreciate this film for the liberties are more how they interacted versus major significant like decisions and choices like what happened with sean parker at the end happened in real life in in a varying sense mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah. a, a lot of these events took place as they were they were just the ways they interact and the way the events unfold there is some shift like according to i believe it was dustin morowitz and whatnot or moskovitz moskovitz sorry excuse me like the Winklevoss twins were not really involved with them at all they weren't they were not nearly as on their radar as the film portrays it but again that adds drama to it and again it's based off a true story it's not claiming to tell a complete and total true story i really like this movie i don't think there's anybody that doesn't like this movie mark zuckerberg doesn't that's true except they except they got his clothes right did you you ever hear that quote he's like it's crazy all of it was inaccurate except they had some of the jackets that i also own what like like he was like every shirt they had i own that they went to the cs major store (laughs) they did (laughs) which i mean when i was in when i was at harvard they had a cs major store and i just having what Yeah, it was crazy. That's, <laughs> did you buy anything? They had well, a lot of the flip flops. I'm not a big flip flops guy, so I didn't. I wasn't feeling that. They okay, had a lot of cargo shorts and pants. Yeah, you gave Cameron back a gift, mm. right, dude? I'm no, dying so I over didn't here. Think about it. I don't fit in with my fellow classmates. I don't have any cargo shorts. How accurate is the representation of CS majors in this movie? Yeah, very accurate. Mark Zuckerberg very much fits the bill in this movie. Eduardo, <laughs> Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Like, okay, I know a lot of it wasn't accurate, but is there even, like, any ground for the whole, for the main, like, emotional drive of, 
of Zuckerberg being jealous of Eduardo. Is there like literally anything? Didn't he, he did? Okay, with that. so if I can go here very briefly to Eduardo Saverin's Wikipedia page, so Zuckerberg at least cutting out Saverin that did happen. He wrote an email to like Facebook employees that was crazy. Let me see if I can find it real Zuckerberg quick. Zuckerberg or Saverin? Zuckerberg wrote it and was like, "We got to get rid of the guy" or so, some wow. crazy. I read it. I was doing some research while I was watching the movie. Let me see if I. Like I realize they cut him out, but is is it like even somewhat accurate that it was because he was jealous of him? All right, it so was it's very heavily insinuated. Here is at least a quote um, from Zuckerberg. It says Zuckerberg privately stated at the time, "Quote: Eduardo is refusing to cooperate at all. We basically now need to sign over our intellectual property to a new company company and just take the lawsuit. I'm just going to cut him out and then settle with him, and he'll get something, I'm sure, but he deserves something. He has to sign stuff for investments, and he's lagging, and I can't take the lag." So, to be quite honest, I don't know how correct that is. Like, for example, I believe, like it says in 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 the story, it says they each agreed to invest a thousand dollars, which makes it sound like they both pitched in a thousand dollars. Versus in the movie, Edward is the only source of financial income. Again, this is never some of this stuff is never going to be revealed until Mark Zuckerberg talks about it. Until, and, honestly, probably until, like, everybody's almost dead. Yeah, because Zuckerberg's not going to talk about it, and most of it is signed in NDAs everywhere, so you can't really talk about it. Even in, in the part. movie, they're like, he got an undisclosed, like... Yeah, they don't know how much money Saverin yeah, got. They have like, no idea. Right at the very end, they say that. I bet a lot. $13. Could be. <laughs> I don't know, and I, I wish there was more to know, but even Eduardo Saverin has, again, not... He's not spoken on it much. He kind of just moved on, so it's difficult to say... Um, exactly how accurate it is but it does do really good for a movie i gotta say i think it's a very it's great, great angle I think, for a movie i think most of it was supposed to like more of them just trying to build the resentment obviously i think towards the end that was a little bit more accurate about him like free maybe like freezing the account and like the animosity was kind of shared because he wanted to do ad sales and mark just wanted to stay making it cool but i think in the beginning like the whole when he goes outside and he tells him he gets punched by the phoenix and he's like, oh, it's probably a diversity thing. I think that was a little bit more fictionalized just to kind of show his character off more. I, I would say so. I would say they definitely take those liberties to build that tension because the truth is in I think it tries to almost build up the idea that these are two kids that took on something they didn't really anticipate. And then it kind of just devolves because, again, it escalates so quickly from I'll invest a thousand bucks, I'll invest eighteen thousand bucks to signing a contract to have one point two million shares, which is a crazy leap. And I think it's a, the movie does a really good job of bringing you along for that ride and kind of giving you a lot of whiplash of whoa, what what happened here? We were expecting to stamp for two minutes ago, and now they got a million members, mm -hmm. and how that constantly changes two and continents. shifts. Two continents. They're on two they continents. They went to Antarctica. Yeah. That would have been really easy. He'd be like, I'll get you on two continents. He checks back a week computer. later. He's like, yeah, you're in Antarctica. <laughs> Nobody's on it, but I got you you're there. there. Yeah. Oh, Sean Parker. I, I think um, I was going to make a joke here, but actually this movie, I, there's just so much good about this movie. The writing, it's Aaron Storkin, so like you expect it to be really good, but the writing's just so snappy. And they And apparently there's the story about... May I time out for a brief moment? Sure. I just found, at least this is according to multiple stories that I was able to do a quick Google search on. So, in terms of what happened between Zuckerberg and Saverin, 
The movie actually might dumb it down a bit because it wasn't about what it wasn't about Saverin fight. wanting to sell ads. It was that Saverin ran unauthorized ads on the site without Zuckerberg's approval. Ooh. And furthermore, oh. the ads were for a startup that Saverin himself was oh. running called Joe Boozle. Joe Boozle. That sounds like what they. And After the State of the Union, <laughs> Joe Boozle gets up there and talks his mouth. No and and oh. additionally, now this is on Quora. Quora, I don't know how accurate Quora. that could be. They could be making it Quora. up. Um, Saverin was hesitant to sign company the Facebook's company reformation, which was a crucial step in getting investors like Peter Steele and Peter Thiel involved in making the company go public. So that might relate to what he says, where he's not moving fast enough in that private statement. So hmm. not maybe. Wait, up- I just I found the same Quora. I just checked the person who wrote it. says, Zark Muckerberg123. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. No way. That is insane. Um, you were saying? I just, you know, I interrupted you, so now you go ahead, Dennis. I just interrupted you to make that joke. Oh, well, so no, finish. but, but that, that's, that's pretty much it is that it seems like more or less they have some genuine animosity there. I don't know how much it was about being jealous, and I think Zuckerberg probably dislikes them because he might resent that idea in full because, like, even he said – we didn't make the Facebook to get girls. We made the Facebook because it was I liked building things. So I think yeah. if sure. if the film introduces these personal ideas about Zuckerberg, the question is whether or not they're real. I don't know if Zuckerberg would ever tell you that, but I think he certainly resents all those ideas because if I you, believe if you get the metaverse and you go in there to talk to him, he'll tell you. That's his oh, yeah. incentive for you to get. <laughs> of course, of course. Get the metaverse, and I will answer all your questions about. Dude, the we can just network. reconstruct an AI of Mark Zuckerberg and ask we it, could. and it'll tell us. Hey, I'm. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this new information, if it were true, would would make Mark look a lot better, which would make the film a lot worse if it was like, uh, you know, not exactly one as one sided as it was in the film, because part of it is you just like kind of hate Mark for the entire movie, and Sean. And I will say like he's just an unlikely I hate guy. Sean Parker more than Mark. Oh, like he's exactly. the most annoying person in this movie, and I I hated him. Justin Timberlake. The, f- the film portrayal of him. I don't hate he, Sean Parker. He, oh, I mean, if, if he's anything like this guy, I don't, I don't know if he is, but I don't, I don't know how accurate the character is. I don't know. I've never met him. Of course. But I think it definitely, at least, I'll say this. I don't think, at least in my personal opinion, hating Mark throughout the whole film is not really how I felt. He is in... In a general sense, definitely a jerk and handles things very poorly. Obviously, there's a whole thing with Rooney Mara at the very beginning that is a very big showcase of it. But he does have these moments, I think, where he kind of even like pleads with Eduardo. He's like, I need you here. And I think the film almost leaves exactly what Eduardo's doing in New York in the dark. Like, we don't follow him in New York, we don't know what he's doing to intentionally sort of create what Mark is viewing. Like, he's off in New York doing what? The, the film never shows us that because maybe Mark himself never really saw the fruits he, of that those months of labor. I know he said he was going to add stuff and whatnot. I get that. But I think that they try and paint that picture a bit to at least create some sort of... No, because Eduardo told him that he quit on the first day. So Mark was just ignoring him the entire time he was in New York. Which, which paints him more as like a jerk because he just he's been basically smack-talking him this entire time that he's working for the company and telling everyone like a lie that he's not contributing at all. That's true. So like it paints him in a negative light uh, 
throughout the entire movie, I'd say. But That's he doesn't he's really say that. Like, he's, like, telling – he's constantly telling Sean that, like, no, he's he's doing stuff for us in, like, New York. He has, like, an internship in New York. I don't think he's bad-mouthing him as I much. I think he was – no, because he told him, like, I don't necessarily – he might not be bad-mouthing him, but he's not, like, helping Eduardo at all. And he's, like, playing into Sean Parker's, like, negative portrayal of him. And he was, like, oh, he's doing an internship and he's not helping with, uh, you know, whatever. But I Facebook feel like you can see him try Mario. to resist it in the beginning. Honestly, I think at the end of the day... Sean like, Parker's the villain. Yeah. yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is more of like... I, he's got... He gives me tragic hero vibes. I don't think he is a tragic hero, but I think it's like more like his fatal flaw is supposed to be that he's a jerk. I think wow. he just can't keep his <laughs> no, mouth shut. It, the line that Ann Perkins says at the end... Rashida Jones says, she's like, you're not a jerk. You just want to be one. That kind of... I think that just... Encapsulates yeah. it. He just wants to be cool, like Sean Parker. And I, and I think because he made so much money, he was so successful, so he thinks he has to be like that. Yeah, like I think we have, we especially see that because he. I, don't I think, think he's that cool. But. I really like one. The film, this film, balances three storylines perfectly, which is a ra- which is a rare sight for any movie to have three storylines all in very different times going on and not feel confusing or hard to follow. And then it sort of goes into the idea that it kind of shows you what Zuckerberg has become versus what he's at the start because he is certainly a jerk, but he's more quiet and reserved at the beginning. And then we see in the courtroom, he's like, I'm better than you at everything and you guys are not even capable of doing what I've done and whatnot. And it just is a nice juxtaposition to see what he's molded into by his surroundings. And again, by the villain that is Sean Parker because I'm convinced he's the worst part about this whole movie because I hate him. He's like Walter White. He is. He's like you know, like he's Say like a, my name. he's like a meek little weirdo, and you're like, oh, I kind of feel bad for him. But once he gets like an inch of power, he's like, oh, I'm not evil, you know. <laughs> he's the worst. That's why you shouldn't feel bad for weird people. Drop <laughs> <laughs> lessons from. Kevin. Drop the the. <laughs> it's cleaner. I, I I absolutely love though how um, one of my favorite like Sean Parker manipulation scenes is when. Eduardo and Mark go to him and they're like, hey, I want to sell ads. And Mark says, no, it's you can't do it yet. It's not <laughs> cool. And Sean's like, well, neither of you are right. And then he basically says Mark's the only one that's right. And that's yes. just a classic yes. manipulation tool because he kind of pulls Eduardo in for like a second. And is like, oh, you might. And then he just completely ignores his point entirely and says, this is why Mark is right. This is why Mark is right. And then you just hear Mark in the background go, exactly. Yes. 100%. Oh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what I thought when I was watching it. I was like, Literally about to make the same point. <laughs> it's just the fact that, like, I mean, I've always loved that scene because I always, the first time I watched it, I got sucked and I was like, oh, maybe Sean's going to, and then he just completely just railroads Eduardo, just uh, just throws him to the side and says, you're insignificant. And that's because Sean knew that he had putty in his hands to mold, and I think he knew exactly, yeah. at least in the, in the film, of course. Again, it's so hard to talk about this because they are real people and real stuff did happen, but. no. So, however, um, the story of the college uh, roommate is mostly true. Actually, what, what story? Or no, the, sto- the story where he discovered Facebook um, when he was the scene with Dakota Johnson. With oh the, yes, that, yeah. so that's oh. mostly true. It's because he was rooming with someone at Stanford, and his roommate's girlfriend was on Facebook. Okay, and that's mm. so that's, that's slightly less cool. Yeah, there's a snake in here. What? Amy, was it was the snake, snake true? Uh, I don't believe so. No, there wasn't actually. So he did lie about the snake. There no, wasn't a snake in there. I snakes aren't in Stanford. What do you do? I'm an entrepreneur. Oh, You're unemployed. Well, well, I love the, the what was your last preneur. I don't know. I just thought that was very funny. I didn't realize time. it was Dakota Johnson when we were watching. It is Dakota Johnson. It's Dakota yeah. Johnson. Um, fun fact. Fun fact. Okay. 
Go ahead. I should have. I should have done fun fact first. It was gonna be Shia LaBeouf was originally gonna play Mark Zuckerberg. What? And oh. Jonah Hill was gonna be uh, Sean Parker. Wow. That would be. Uh, bad. Yeah, no, no, I don't it think that happen. See... So don't fret. So it that actually that happen. feels like the alternate universe uh, version of the Social Network, almost like the Ashton Kutcher version of Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> no, because it's like Ashton Kutcher like looks exactly like Steve Jobs. They look a lot alike. That's fair. That's but why it's, they cast him. It's everything else is a miss though. Well, that and like Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg pretty much typecasted him for like weird a lot of guy. stuff. Freaky after little that. weirdo. Like he's <laughs> he was just so perfect for his role because his mannerisms are just like I don't know. Just a scraggly Jonah little guy. Jonah Hill could be Sean Parker. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, Perhaps not 2010 Jonah Hill. True, no. 2010 Jonah Hill. What do you mean like by that? Super bad Jonah Hill. What do you mean by that? He was just in super bad. What, so what about so what physical <laughs> attribute about him would not Uh-oh, allow him to play Davis that? Oh, in hot water. I don't mean. I'm not talking about his weight, if that's what you're referring to. I'm talking about how young he looked. And also, he was just in Superbad. And everybody's going to be like, played like a, We played like a 14-year-old, and it was convincing. Yes. Was this before or after uh, uh, Andrew Garfield did Spider-Man? This is before, right? This was before. This was, was just, just before. So 2012 okay. was Amazing Spider-Man. This was also a year before Moneyball. So Jonah Hill went from doing The Social Network to do Moneyball instead. Boom. Another Sorkin movie. <gasps> That's true. Oh, Aaron Sork- Sorkin Cinematic Sorkin's Universe. Awesome. Aaron Sorkin works with the same people. I regularly. was saying they should make a cinematic universe out of the movies we're reviewing <laughs> yeah, today. We they need saying. to have like a post credit scene in Steve Jobs where Bill Gates is like I am Bill. I'm well, Bill. No, Steve Jobs is like, I need some software. Bill, Bill. Gates is in it, man. I'm, exactly. He, Bill Gates, he made a, who a, was that a cameo appearance setting oh up the spin-off. That joke where he where he's like where he's like, wait. Bill Gates was in that room or whatever. That was that that, that was scene. Fun. That was funny. Makes me hurt, and it's also funny now. I Cameron, loved that, oh, when his right. like roommates like hit him afterwards, and they were like, "Like, how did you not know Bill Gates was speaking to I'm us?" I'm gonna pull my Glock and kill you. That was a crazy lie. <laughs> that was insane. Wait, wait, he, he says said in that? the movie, yes. "I'm gonna pull out my Glock and kill you." <laughs> no, yeah, oh my which is gosh. similar to a thing I say as a joke, but he was so specific with it. it True. I mean, the amount of times Davis on the podcast has said, "If I had a gun," no, no, I said. <laughs> That's not what I said. You, you have you, said that. You fundamentally butchered you, my line. You, what did you say then, Davis? I'm not going to say it. Anyway, uh, Cameron, that, that post credit scene sounds a lot like one from the movie The King's Man. Have you, <laughs> have you seen that one? <laughs> the one, yes, yes, yes. Where he's like, Lennon, I'd like you to meet Adolf Hitler. Hi, I'm yeah. Hitler. Adolf. Craziest. Yeah. Craziest. Why can't they do that with Bill Gates? <laughs> and Steve Wozniak is going to get an HBO miniseries? That's true. It's the cinematic universe right? grows yeah, no, exactly, every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Sean Parker is getting a Netflix special. Oh, dear. Or a uh, lime... What? It wasn't LimeWire. What was it? It's Napster. Napster. Yeah. yeah. Napster, which oh, apparently thought... it changed the music industry. It now, did. Ainsley, this it is... did, to be uh, fair. It did change the music Apparently, industry. this uh, thing that just happened happened. <laughs> apparently. But I, don't, I don't know. I don't read up on Napster, man. My bad. Jeez. Do you know what Napster is? Yes. Okay. I think. I don't think you do. I didn't what know what, what, what Napster is. Go ahead. Um, let's see. It was where people could uh, download music online for free. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Napster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know how it worked? Um. No. So basically, like people would upload files. Yeah. Like one person would upload like Jay Z, Hove, Hova, or whatever, mm-hmm. and like everyone else would download it. But the thing is that like people will just download it, like <laughs> random files you and just like title it like Kanye West graduation, and people would just download it and be like, and then it was just like God knows then what, it was just like <laughs> the Gummy Bear song or something. Yeah, <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. That was that was really bad on LimeWire. That was a really big issue okay. on LimeWire. And then Napster, they got sued for a billion dollars. Yes. Because Napster came first. Right. And then LimeWire came around, which the file naming thing was a really big to-do on LimeWire. Napster as well. But they got sued yeah. a lot. Cause, cause they, but the thing was, for LimeWire and stuff, um, the ep- 
not the FCC, whatever, whoever it was, like the record companies just started suing random people. Like they'd be like, Cameron, I'm suing you for a billion dollars for, for yeah. pirating. For that using like, LimeWire three times. And then people would be like, South I don't Park. want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. Boom. Boom. I think this, I think the social network works a lot more because Mark Zuckerberg is just so, I'm not going to say unlikable, but he's just such a weird, awkward a weird guy in real guy. life. People are like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. Just true. People there's already like, that like negative connotation towards him. He's weird. Yeah. He's a CS major. Yeah, maybe the movie like reinforces <laughs> that that stigma, of, well not stigma, but that that the uh, vision of him in people's minds of being a weird little scraggly guy. It does, guy. which is probably why he resents the movie in yeah. part. I, I mean, I would hate that too. Because he, he, do, he does not like it for multiple reasons, including... Yeah, excuse me, including the way that he's been portrayed. Now, Ains, I believe you've said this is your favorite movie of all time? Yes. Really? So why? Give it give us your give us the bullet points. I, why. Okay, pretty much everything. David Fincher's my favorite director. He's Aaron Sorkin's my favorite writer. He's pretty good too. Um I like I mean, even the soundtrack is like my study music. My my entire playlist is like the soundtrack because when you specifically the song for when welcome to the phoenix club's first party of the fall semester where yeah. they're all like in the bus like that that one i like the, it just gets you so focused but honestly just how do i describe this don't ask me why it's um it just i i remember i think i watched it way too young too because i thought army hammer was two different people for a while um, <laughs> sometimes he looks re- like sometimes the the deep fake is they, really bad they, yeah like, i noticed a few times i was like that's a deep fake no yeah, they just they cg'd his face onto i thought he a just body like, double. played it twice that's a body double uh, what <laughs> yeah but they, he like, said there's two of me <laughs> they well, yeah because i'm six they... five two twenty and there's two, two of, of me so let's let's give a quick uh credit to josh pence who is the body double for hammer whose likeness was digitally imposed onto pence's body He's listing the end credits as playing Tyler Winklevoss alongside Hammer. He also appears in the cameo role as the man being detoured from the bathroom by Zuckerberg and Saverin later on. So there you go. That's interesting. Wow. He goes, cool. 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 Hansel, cool. continue. Okay. What was I saying? Okay. So I saw it like way too young. So I thought this was like how college was going to be. I did, intellectually, it makes you just feel like smart, I think. Because listen, I don't know Harvard lore, but that just looks so cool. They didn't actually shoot. Any at Harvard, just a fun fact for you. What? Not yeah. one shot was at Harvard. Well, there was one shot at Harvard. Okay. It was all at Auburn. It was. Then, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. And Alex and I had this conversation earlier. Do the when, when Eduardo scans into the dorm, all he has to do is tap his card. Keep in mind, this is supposed to be in 2003. Is RFID technology real? Probably. But also, Auburn didn't get taps, tap scanning into your dorm. You still had to swipe your dorm card until my sophomore year. So we didn't get until 2021 Clearly, we're behind Harvard is the point, which is yeah. not I'm shocking. Saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, Auburn well, it wasn't is, actually shot at Auburn. You know, Auburn, say, lucky Auburn you. is okay. the Harvard of the South, so. I was about to say Harvard was the Auburn of the North. Whoa. Wow. As someone, as someone who's fallen on their face trying to swipe their card into their freshman dorm a many times, huh? I would have appreciated having How? a tap card earlier. How? You're holding there, there's a trap things, door. you're trying to dig out your card, you and then you get it wrong three times, that trap door opens. Trust me, it's possible. I also really want to highlight that montage at the beginning because I love the juxtaposition between the super intense partying going on at the Phoenix and the almost cult-like activities. It's, it's, a, stra- it's a strange place. And then Mark's just like coding away. Yeah. Like, he's I, blogging I, on LiveJournal? I really like Wrote how... I also blog. love how he's like, oh no, they got my blog and it's like um, Zucket123 yes. or something like that. Zark Muckerberg. I told you it was him, man. <laughs> he's everywhere. 
I really like how it balances scenes like that. I think every montage scene this film does is so good, and that's a credit to Reznor and Ross for their uh, score. Trent which, Reznor of Nine Inch Nails fame. Really? Oh, yes, indeed. And also, this is the score that famously or infamously beat Inception at the Oscars. Yeah, as best score. It's better. So the first two times I saw this movie years ago, I remember thinking, what the heck? I like Inception score better. And then I listened to it. I watch it this time, and I'm picking up on every piece. And I'm like, okay, whoa. Yeah. This is There's so much, whether it's techno music and then a combination of just orchestral pieces, it's probably one of the most diverse soundtracks in recent memory, at least, especially from their point of view. Now, they've done a lot of collaborations with David Fincher. Let me read off some things right here. They've scored The Social Network, The Girl with Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, Mank. They won Academy Award for Best Original Score and a Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack, both for The Social Network and they did Soul. Didn't know they did that. The duo has also scored Patriot's Day, Mid-90s, Bird Box, Waves, Bones and All, Empire of Light, and documentaries Before the Flood, The Vietnam War, and the TV series The Watchmen, winning a Primetime Emmy Award for the score of that TV show. They're really, really good, and the whole movie sounds just awesome. Just him walking across campus with that music in the back. Yes, right at the very beginning, it is very, very good. And I also got to say, we got to talk about the final scene. I mean, or might as well talk about, even with so many incredible castmates around, even Justin Timberlake gives a pretty good performance. I think Eisenberg is like the center of it, but this is kind of Andrew Garfield's breakout performance, and he's great. Also, Brenda Song sets his stuff on fire. Crazy. Do you know, I, I wonder how many, I can't remember how many laptops they ended up breaking just to do that scene where he like slams, like, are you still wired in? Because they, they, I've heard that they went through like tons of laptops just to get that scene perfect. Why did they just make a fake laptop? What? Because they. It's not as realistic. <laughs> what? David Fincher is notoriously very serious about his film. So those, both those, it being a real laptop and doing multiple takes. Yeah, for sounds... Zodiac, he actually killed those people <laughs> not really insanity insanity so Insa- what uh, never mind oh what never mind any uh mind. final thoughts i guess on the social network i think it just 10 out of 10 i just, just want to know why this may be like a real life thing but like the facebook was like blowing up and they're like this is seriously addictive but they already had myspace so what what I don't it was get more it. exclusive. It was, I guess yeah. so. it was exclusive I, I i've never i guess i don't know how myspace worked to have a direct comparison I know, like, the relationship status thing was a big change. The fact that it was about you having to accept friends and have your own little group of people on Facebook was a big deal. And, again, it started at college campuses. So that's the thing is it's almost the perfect design of building anything, especially in the modern day, is you make it exclusive first, and that creates the allure. You know what I mean? If you If it's only used by this group of people, everybody wants to use it. And then once you make it, they already using it before they realize it's not that special. That's how most things work. Build exclusivity that gets people wanting to go to things now. I think, yeah. and I think Facebook is at least in the movie is the model of that. Build it exclusively, everybody loves it, and then move on. Now here's the real question: In the movie, do we think he just straight up stole the Harvard connection idea? Uh, yeah. Oh, Davis says no. Cameron says yeah. MySpace think- already existed. I don't think it's that. Mm, but the well, Harvard, but e- the Harvard like, email. Yeah, I Harvard feel like, like that's yeah. not that. That's not that crazy of an idea to jump to. The yeah. most exclusive I mean, university on the a, planet. It's not a crazy idea, but the fact is that they had the idea first. He gave it to. They gave the idea to him, and then he immediately started making Facebook. Like, okay, it's pretty obvious. You've convinced me. I think there he took it and ran with it. He yeah. adapted it. Yeah. I think he had he had the like the thoughts blooming, and they kind of like. 
planted they the put, final they seed there. They put the puzzle together in his mind. Yeah, indeed. But I'll I mean, be. the line where he's like, if you could have made Facebook, you would have, is true. Like, they obviously wouldn't have gotten there without him. Like, he made the idea better, but he, yeah, he stole the initial yeah. idea. I would agree with that 100%. Again, like, I think they really, if they really wanted to, they could have found a coder to make that. And they just like, oh, well, one guy graduating, the other guy had too much work going on. Like, if you really wanted to do it, you could have found somebody. They did they, find somebody. Yeah, but after he made Face Smash and broke the broke the entire Harvard internet, it wasn't like they were clearly trying very hard. Well, I yeah, say. but they, they like, en- enlisted him to make it. They were under the guise that he was making it. And all of a sudden, he makes their product, but better. Like, why would you bother making an inferior version of your idea that someone stole from you? I would be mad, too. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Also, Lawyer lawyer Man Davis, we're going to bring you in here for a quick uh, segment. How do we feel about the fact... I like the explanation at the end where it's, like, the fact that he knows he's going to have to settle because he's unlikable. And, like, yes. he's done... Like, even if he's right, he has to. Yes. 100%, like... I mean, like... I mean, they kind of... Like, voir dire, they could just... They could just convince them of anything. Yeah. But, so, yeah. but the fact that he also, again, they just make it... I like how uh, Rashida Jones' character, like, is there just to be like, let's be clear, you would lose effortlessly because yes. I can convince the jury that you're a bad person easily. Easily. Because, again, this is... Vaudier's an art, man. Really? Vaudier, which is jury selection. Ah. And, and understanding juries. It's an art, man. If you know what you're doing. Then you, then you got a case. Yeah. Every time, it seems. Okay, so last final thoughts on the social network before we move on. Any 10 ratings? Out of 10. CS major representation. Boom. 10 out of 10 for sure. Although, flops. how am I just like not rich and don't live the upper class? Because well, the whole scene where they go. You have AMC stubs. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. This is, this is my, okay, this is my final thought. This is the question I have. Is it like common for like Harvard finals clubs to have full like Jimmy John sub sandwiches just in their fridge and offering them to anybody who enters. Do you have any idea what it costs to go to Harvard? I would, I would like to know. Sandwich, yeah. <laughs> because I want to know if they have like actual sandwich shops back All there. All right. Harvard costs $55,000 a year. Let's just assume these guys got the money. I mean, I mean, it's just a sandwich. Well, yeah. I'm sure Frat, ha- Frat House, the Frats yeah. here have personal like, chefs. Oh my gosh. I was in Shelby the other day. Actually, this was like five months ago, but <laughs> I was in Shelby and I saw these guys eating this food and it looked so freaking good. It was like, it like made me so hungry. So I was just like, hey, where'd you get that? Because there's a to-go box. I was like, oh, they probably got it from like a food truck or something. They're like, oh yeah, we got it from our frat. You can't have it. And I was like, awesome. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, they have like, a lady who like comes in and like cooks and like makes some lemonade and puts in the refrigerator for them for later. Yep, yep. Crazy. crazy. I feel bad because Cameron, you gave this uh, movie a four and a half out of five. Yeah, so is it a ten or is it a nine? It's a nine. <gasps> what then? What's what's the minus one? There are no tens. The, wh- <laughs> what? What? No such thing. Yes, there are. No such thing. I think they're. It, that's be. literally impossible for it to be a ten. You would have to like literally have no qualm with it whatsoever there's no what's your qualm i would die for this movie um yeah what's your qualm? maybe some of the scenes were uh what's your qualm? Uh, what's your qualm uh that so language what i don't, I don't the- know i can't what? think of one but i'm probably could have if i was given enough time i don't what? know like they said bad words like, uh, just <laughs> yeah. like yeah i think i don't know that was dubbed it originally was the other word and oh. then they they voiced over it and dubbed it was it pg-13 i i have no I thought idea the movie was rated r but why don't they that doesn't hey, make sense to, then with the note F-bomb. that was passed yeah do they already use the f-bomb i thought oh they use they the use f-bomb F- on the andrew garfield line yeah the with end. the flip-flops and the prada yeah. yeah 
I thought they had said it before. No, they, they said it more than once. There's another time Whoa. they said well, it. Well, then there's what? the note. There's a note? The note that gets passed to him in that Oh, yeah. Class. I said, like, I hate you. It says <laughs> you something else. What? What? I don't think that's what it says. No, I, yeah. I, I'll look into this. It, it does. I promise wow. you. Because I think I'll it's put very money on this. I'll put money on this that it doesn't say, oh, it says, yeah, but it's not spelled right. So it's oh. allowed. It's spelled right. No, it's missing the C. No, it's not. I, oh, there's two K's in there. There's no, there's just one K. Oh, social I don't know. network. No, social network is literally spelled with one K. What? Oh, okay. Alex, oh, I was you're listening. not listening. So I'm gonna I cut you off. I wasn't listening. I'll admit. Alex, I do you have do? Do I deserve your attention? No. <laughs> I'll um, look I, into this. I, I could. Swear. I could probably come up with something wrong with it. I don't know. Oh, it does have the. Same. It made me feel bad. I, I for Mandela not affected something. myself. Exactly. Exactly. Now who's right? I didn't put money on it, so. <laughs> I didn't put one out of either. I'll take you off, against me. I'll take off one point because it made me feel bad for not inventing something. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact: the act, they, the 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 movie star they mention. Do you know who it is? Anybody? Natalie I know. Portman. I know. I know. <sighs> Dang it, who Alex! Is it? Natalie Nat- Portman. Oh, Natalie Portman. <gasps> That's Nat- so Natalie upsetting Portman. to me on so many levels. That is so upsetting to me because I don't like Natalie Portman. What? Uh, what did she ever do to you, <laughs> Ainsley? She existed. Well, okay. When it's, Crazy. It's, like, it's become a thing where, like, my family and I, if we watch a movie with her in it, I have three strikes. I'm allowed to say, th- make three bad Natalie Portman comments before I have to leave the room. How could you have this any na- bad Natalie Portman complex when she was in The Black Swan? Really, mm. I own Black She's Swan on Amazon that. Prime. Did you buy it or something? No. no. <laughs> I, I didn't buy it. <gasps> what? Mysterious person I bought it. I just own it, so I could watch it at any time. You should. I, apparently, I don't good. know who bought it. No. All right. I don't know who bought it either. That's weird. It is weird. Natalie well, Portman, maybe. I'll give it a 9.5 exactly. out of 10. Exactly, she would do that. You what? can't give it a What's point What's your quad? Uh, my one, it's like, I can give it whatever I want. Is this your show, Cameron? Oh, touche. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. We had uh, this exact same interaction on the last one. We'll just keep bringing Cameron back just for this moment. Uh, my one qualm, honestly, is watching it back, it felt like the ending kind of tried to tie things up almost too quickly, which is fine, because it does... I just feel like it goes from, Eduardo, why aren't you here, to then... Such a backstab, which is, again, it's trying to leave things in a shroud of mystery because we don't really know what did happen, but I felt like it could have handled it a little better. I don't know. I feel like it, it handled it fine because, like I said, it kind of was building up to that the entire time. I know. And even when he was like, Edwider, why aren't you here? It sort of was like a... It wasn't... I feel like the way I interpreted that as it, is, is it wasn't his genuine concern and he wasn't genuinely asking Eduardo why he wasn't there he was sort of like setting Eduardo up and like being like why aren't you here you should be here you're you know you need to contribute more something like that but um under the guise of why aren't you here yeah that's fair that's fair and I'll say I guess I don't know just just I've seen like four or five times and on this time it kind of just threw me for a loop a bit there at the end which is why I'll give it that because you're right it did end kind of abruptly because I remember watching it and being like this is two hours long and when we got to the end I was like Oh, we're already here? Yeah, I exactly. thought a lot happened so in between. It, it, yeah. it, it ends very abruptly, which that's just the smallest of qualms, really. But it's still, it's a it's a great movie. It's a classic. It's not required viewing, but if you feel so inclined, it's a pretty dang good movie. And it tells a really cool story and is written by one of the best screenwriters in all of the land and directed by one of the best directors. Now, on to Steve Jobs. I love this movie. Another Aaron Sorkin. Two parts. Motor I've only printer. seen this like once, like forever ago. So when I was rewatching it, I was like, 
Wow. Blown away, right? It's so yeah. good. It's amazing. It's, it's really good. Hey, guys. Um, I know you're all first-time uh, listeners here, apparently, but we got to go through the casting. No, we don't. For- what? Steve Jobs, Michael Fassbender, <laughs> uh, Steve Wozniak is Seth Rogen. Kate Winslet is Joanna Hoffman. Who plays Andy Hartsfeld? Uh, that oh. is... It's the guy from Call Me By Your Name. Yes, it is Michael Stolberg. Jeff Daniels is John Scully. Catherine Watterson as Chrisanne Brennan. And then Sarah Snook as Andrea Andy Cunningham. Also, John Ortiz as Joel Fortzheimer. Davis, are you okay over there? There's so much stuff like dismantled at my feet here. I can't. Are you waving your Interesting. Question? Dylan, once again, being a nuisance to us all. What a legendary time this is. Directed by Danny Boyle, who did Train Spotting, T2 Train Spotting, 28 Days Later, Sunshine, mm. Slumdog Millionaire, 127 Hours, British and people. Yesterday. Yesterday. And then also oh, a screenplay like written I by Aaron like Sorkin. It was adapted from a 2011 biography by Walter Isaacson. I read that one. Really? Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. He's going to give us so much And then interviews about. were conducted by Aaron Sorkin himself, and then music by Dan- Daniel Pemberton. This film was actually... I want to watch it again. I do, too. I do, I too. I never finished it on my re- on my most recent watching. <sighs> Unbelievable. I only I got through the first two. Clearly learning from, learning, learning from the best over here. That's <laughs> yeah. Davis Carroll. I need to finish the book, though. I actually, in the book, I said I read it. I only, <laughs> got, I only got through the first act <laughs> of the movie in the book. Oh my lord. I got to the point where we got what? fired. You're such a liar. The Lame. film premiered in 2015 and is another short one, two hours and two minutes, but it was a critical success, but a commercial disappointment. Can I pause you right there? You keep on saying this film's only two hours long. It's pretty short. It's too. That is a long movie. No. Two hours? Admittedly, the standard for this podcast is pr- if we averaged out every movie we'd ever done on this podcast, Snyder it'd probably Cut brings be. it up pretty high. <laughs> it pro- I say that because, like, that's. So that's actually. It's a good question that you brought up because. Earlier times, I've said that the budget is modest only because most of the episodes we've done, most movies tend to be $100 million now, and most movies tend to be a lot longer, even even more independent films. Like, you're, okay, you're not, you're, like you're not listening to me. I am listening. No, I'm saying, <laughs> we're, like, we're you just, no, Davis, you see, he was like, yes, like, movies are long. Like, I was watching The Fablemans, it was like four hours long. <laughs> I was watching it. I fell asleep. I'd go, I would, Cameron, my God. hair was getting gray by the end of it. Like, they are long movies. Seth Rogen was in that. He was. As Steve Wozniak. He was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another part of the cinematic Your universe. Wozniak right these Dude, it too. is part of the cinematic universe because they were, uh, his dad talks about like using transistors oh, you're to create right. a computer, which <laughs> right. that leads directly into Steve Wozniak and uh, Tim Apple. So the reason I bring it up is because for a comparable movie, like Babylon, for example, which was three hours long and cost $89 million, yeah. a movie that's two hours long and cost $30 million with this cast and whatnot is just... And it yeah. is, it, honestly, probably most of their budget saving is because it's all on three sets, which I think is very yes. interesting. Yeah. At least most of it's on three sets or very tight sets that would not cost a lot to create, of course. Even I, like the cast, when you were looking at like the cast list when the credits were scrolling, like there's not a lot of people like credited because it's not they, a big cast. They had to get all the people doing the wave. <laughs> they, they did. They, they, just did. Had, they just had one row and they CGI'd that they row just- <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> did, the, did the opening shot remind anybody else of Ted Lasso? I've never seen Ted Lasso. What's the opening shot? And I don't Isn't know. It's like of this, all the seats, but that's like also like the Ted Lasso thing is like the opening credits mm, are like when they show all the seats. Mm. I, I always think in my head, in, in my head canon, the opening shot is the three of them looking into the computer and like the... You know he's like, yes. why? Why isn't it saying hello? It's saying hello, yeah. And then he just goes off. He's like, we had the, we had, uh, we had a commercial that could have won the Oscar for best short film. It has to say hello. You had three weeks. Oh my! The universe God. is made in a third of that time. I love, I love oh, how he's like, so I can't do it. it, and then he's just like, 
screw you. And they're like, okay, guys, let's, let's just calm down. Oh, and so he just good. like takes it, man. I really, really, really like this movie. I oh. love this. It, it, I moved into my top four in Letterboxd. It's made so decision. good. It's, it's so, tight. so it's good. Fun. It's so, like, I love how the film almost. Two parts. What? Two parts. Modem and printer. Yes. I love how Sorkin is able to again paint a sort of doubt amongst the audience. Like, how much, like, with the Scully versus. Uh, Steve thing who's really right there you know because like the, the whole movie says the Mac was a failure but was it because Steve got screwed by Apple and they overpriced it or was it because Steve was just wrong like and, and they don't really let you know that except at the very end he sort of shows his brilliance but that end finally comes when he finally mellows the heck out after the first two acts he's basically on cocaine the whole time tearing through people like they're nothing which is also Cameron you brought up this detail and I, I've only I remember it, but I really noticed how each of the three acts is filmed on a different camera. Yeah, do you, do I, you have more information on that? So they use time-accurate uh, film formats for each act. Each act is set in different year. So the first act was in 1984, which they filmed on a 16-millimeter film. The second, which is the next launch, was in 1988, which was a 35-millimeter film. And then for the third act, you can actually, like, there's, like, a little effect, like a little screen glitch. They switched to digital, which is a 1998 launch of the iMac. And, so, it all, that's and very it's very it's very noticeable, especially that's when you're going cool. to look for it. It adds just such a nice layer to it. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do that for more movies these days. To well, I guess digital might be cheaper, but I feel like it, it, it adds a lot to sort of not just like realize oh this was using time accurate, but to sort of feel like you're in that time, like you're in 1984. Because when you watch movies, all we the only perception we have of like the 80s is through this 16 millimeter film. So to use that to put, portray the 80s, it we so we more accurately think of this part of the movie like we do the 80s and it sort of immerses you that way. It absolutely I don't know if adds I, to, I articulated that correctly, but I yeah. think the word you might be looking for would be suspension of disbelief. No. No? No, I'm what I'm trying to say is like when we think of the like when you think of like 1920 something it sort of feels different because all you've seen of it is like black, black and, and white, white footage yeah. and like 18 FPS. Like, so when you see when all you when you think of the 80s, what you think of is grainier film, grainier film, and you sort of your perception of it is different because of that. So you perceive what's happening in the movie differently in the same way that you perceive anything else in the 80s. I think it absolutely does add to it, and I think it also helps to tell the difference. At least, not not that it's not not that it's hard to because it, it really isn't because Steve Jobs looks different every time and they're doing a different thing every time. But it just does help each act stand on its own two legs by itself, along with, of course, all the very big markers that you know are different. And I really just I really like the three act structure. I actually watched a video today about how this film gets the biopic perfectly right where its counterpart jobs with Ashton Kutcher gets the biopic fundamentally wrong. I think I watched that exact same video. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, I I was just trying to do some research. So essentially to summarize what the video said, I can't remember the creator, which I feel bad about, but it was a really good video. Basically biopic, you can go almost one of two routes. You can go for historical accuracy and just tell events as they happened. Almost like a prequel for a character's like, how's he going to get his gun? 
How's he going to find his name, Mr. Solo? Uh, ah! I always, always bring it up every time I can. You have that, or you have a biopic that services more as a character study, which I would say that even to go in a musical route, I would honestly say that Elvis was more of a character study than Rocket an Man event. What? Rocket Man. Rocket Man was too, more than like an Rocket event Man. by event basis. Bohemian Rhapsody felt more like <laughs> an Bad event movie. by event, but it also changed the events, so I don't really know what it was trying to do there. And it was edited poorly. And it, it was it was just a bad movie. <laughs> so I think I think that's a good example there is and Jobs, the 2013 Ashton Kutcher, is literally like an event. There's that one scene where they just come up with the name Apple while they're driving in a car, he and Wozniak. And it's like, that is to serve the audience to go, I know that term. I know this event that's going to happen in that event. Whereas, think of Steve Jobs using the iPod at the very end, right? He brings up the iPod. That's a big clicker for anybody that knows Apple history and Apple lore. But he doesn't bring it up to go, oh, that's the iPod. He brings it up to bring his daughter back to him for a moment. It serves his character and the study of his character versus the story of the plot and versus history. It serves the character, not the character interacting with history. That's I don't know how, if anybody thinks about that. I know I was going on a bit there, but I happen to agree with that sentiment because I think this film is more of a character study of the man Steve Jobs than of the history of Apple and the history of even his life. Because we get like three flashbacks in a garage. And that's, you know, the critical point of Steve Jobs' life. But really, we get him at his th- at three pivotal moments in his life, but that's kind of it. That, um, that exact scene you just mentioned of the iPod, I saw a TikTok of somebody who reposted that scene the other day. With, with, with Subway Surfer playing right beneath it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, of course. And somebody in the comments who's never seen the movie has said, said, Steve Jobs has got Riz. And so what? Uh, uh. <laughs> TikTok was a disease. This is why this is why TikTok is also hey, Ivy's culture. good for banning it. <laughs> she was face. I like I was like, oh my gosh. That's and like, everybody that was like, do you know that's his daughter? Everybody in the comments was like That's just a very, very uncomfortable sentiment. All the way around. I really just I can't say enough good things about this film. I think the script is very tight is and well great. done. He's like, as it always is. He's just hounding on these people. He is <laughs> he's so mean. And he's again, such a jerk. He's going and ham. It, and Andy still pays for his daughter's college. Yes, I yeah. think just that's, a good guy. that's what's so great about it is the fact that he's this tyrant the whole time and all of his people are right there with him every single yeah. time. And they each have their moment in the sun to sort of go, Here I am. I think I love the fact that I also think However, they did it. They got so much out of Seth Rogen in basically three scenes. You know, he has the confrontation in 1984, which is a very brief one. Acknowledge the Apple II team, pretty cool. And that's actually not... So that, according to Wozniak, who Steve Wozniak's been very candid about this film, he really actually likes it, apparently. He, helped, he, well, he helped. He was a consultant. Exactly. He, he Sorkin did offer to just give him the screenplay, and Wozniak said he didn't feel that was right because he thinks the artist should be able to do what they want, which is mm. very Wozniak based on if you've ever heard him talk and the way he thinks about things. He uh, said that that specific discussion about the Apple II team never took place, and of course that's what the pivotal argument between the, th- the two of them is. However, the the fact is Jobs did deliberately ignore the Apple II team consistently. Not as not in such a public forum, but he did. So that, that that's a little kernel of truth there. I think the fact that Rogan is able to steal the show in three scenes is brilliant, especially... How do you steal the show when you're going one on one with Michael Fassbender? It's very hard to do because Michael Fassbender is great in everything. Oh, he's so good in this. He's both great. In, of them. I mean, they they both are, and I think the fact that they can stand on equal footing, even in that final scene when Steve's on the stage and he's in the crowd, and they still the best one. they still go toe to toe with each other, and 
Waz's like last line is, "Your creations are better than you." And Steve says, "I know." And then he still shows up later because he's just a good. He guy. still does because Wozniak is awesome, and Wozniak in real life is a pretty good did guy. You, so, did you know who's originally going to be playing Steve Jobs in this? Uh, no, Jonah Hill. <laughs> Can you guess? No. Oh wait, wait, wait! I want to guess. I want to guess. Who was originally playing Steve Jobs? It, no, Wozniak in this. I thought. No, Steve Jobs. Oh, sorry. sorry who sorry. was going to originally play Steve Jobs? It was going to be Ryan Gosling. No, I don't know. <clears throat> I'll give you the whole fun fact here. It also includes who was originally going to direct it. If you want to take a guess at that, Zack Snyder. Steve Jobs was going to be Jesus. David Fincher was originally attached to direct. So he dropped play Steve Jobs after he demanded a ten million dollars salary, full creative control. He wanted Christian Bale to play the titular role oh, of Steve no. Jobs. I can see that. I can sort. I just don't feel like Christian Bale can evoke. The, what? I'm not done. Oh, you're not done. Oh. Sorry, sorry. After his departure, Danny Boyle signed up the project, and Leonardo DiCaprio was approached with the script, but he <gasps> declined because he wanted to work on The Revenant the same year. <laughs> that actually relates mm-hmm. to something I was going to talk about with the awards. So this film um, in the award category garnered four Golden Globe Award nominations, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Screenplay, and Best Original Score. It won for Best Supporting Actress for Kate Winslet and Best Screenplay for Aaron Sorkin. Then at the Academy Awards, Fassbender and Winslet both received nominations for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Who, actress, who did they lose to? In what, 2016? Yes. 2015, but it would have been 2016. Yep. Leonardo DiCaprio for, for The Revenant. Revenant. That's correct. Bye. And then Kate Winslet lost to? Wait, give me five seconds. No, do not Google. I'm not. No, I'm just Googling movies that came out that Meryl year. Meryl Streep. I will give you a hint. Yeah, please give me a hint. Please. Winslet lost to an actress who was in a film the big that short. starred Eddie Redmayne. I don't know who that everything. is. No, nope. the Danish girl. Yes, okay. Alicia Vikander. I think. I don't know that one. Oh, I one for her role in the Danish Girl, while Hugh. Well, ugh, no, Leonardo DiCaprio won for Hugh Hugo or Hugh Hugh Glass. I think. In yes. The Revenant. So DiCaprio, this is one of those times when the lore says turning it down might have been the correct approach because The Revenant won him his first Oscar, and what a movie that is, as hard-hitting as they come. You want another fun fact? I also haven't seen it. <laughs> you want another fun fact? Yes. Um, when people were auditioning for the role, they didn't use the screenplay for this. They used scenes from Newsroom. Yes, I love that. What's Newsroom? The show that Aaron Sorkin wrote I, about a news. That okay. show's so uh, good. Which wasn't um, Jeff, Jeff Daniels Jeff is Daniels the star is of the newsroom. Jeff Daniels is the star. I Ooh. love that I, show. I watch that show. It's it, because you like it. It's because Aaron Sorkin reuses actors like all the time. Like the, in the first episode of the newsroom, there's like a there's supposed to be on like a phone call with some dude from the mineral management service. It's um, Jesse Eisenberg on the phone. They got him to do a quick little voice role. Aaron Sorgan loves his actors. They're in yeah. everything. Awesome. I've got a few more fun facts if y'all want them. If, if I could, I, I don't want to circle Depen- back. Can I do this just once? Well, this is about other people that are going to play them. Okay, so one, one, fun, one fun fact for me about the awards. So I want to circle back <laughs> to the social network very quickly. It won Best Picture at the National Board Review, National Society of Film Critics, New York Film Critics Circle, and Los Angeles Film Critics Association. It is only the third film in history to win the Big Four Critic Awards. Do you know what the other two are, Davis? Say it again. Say say the say the thing again. It's the o- it's one of only three films to ever sweep the big four critics awards for best pictures. Sounds of the Lambs. No. Dang. The winners the are Shining. 
L.A. Confidential what? and Schindler's yes. List. Okay, that one's uh, deserved. Okay. So anyway, I just want to circle back to that big award fun fact. Now, Davis, go right ahead. as the social network should, just want to put that out True. There. The social network like had a historic run at every award show and was named the best film by so many critics and all sorts of BAFTAs, Oscars, and director, best picture at the Golden Globe, so many Oscar categories, winning best screenplay, best original score, best film editing. Anyway, Davis, back to you and your super, super duper fun facts. Kate Winslet. Uh's role was originally going to be offered to Jessica Chastain, but the Aaron. Can you guess who Aaron Sorkin wanted to play Steve Jobs originally? You're not. <laughs> he's Just a big actor, Berg. but you're not Michael Sheen. I don't know. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Ainsley. Oh, I have no idea. Tom Cruise. Oh, oh what? I okay. could see that if it was if it was Tom Cruise from Magnolia. <laughs> it worked. Two parts. Imagine the, that could have been s- interesting, though. <laughs> I'm imagining like the there's so there's this line. This Artists act, create hacks, ask for a show of hands. I play the orchestra. I don't. I don't know. Or like I was thinking of. Um, there's a dialect expert who rates um, Fastbender's discussion or Fastbender's portrayal of Steve Jobs with like accent and whatnot, and he uses the is the synthesizer sampling fast enough? And I'm imagining Tom Cruise's delivery of the line, is the th- is the synthesizer sampling fast enough? And Smooth, I imagine it would have been even. quite terrible. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, your other fun fact, Davis? Uh, I think that was my fun fact. Oh, wait, no, I got it. No, I got it. I got it. This one. guy. Um, you're going to love this one, Alex. It involves a certain director you love. During the Nolan? 1984 sequence of the film, Jobs and Scully watched the Macintosh Super Bowl commercial from backstage. Somewhere the 1984 when they're throwing it through the... You know, it has the skinheads in it. The commercial was directed by one Ridley Scott, <gasps> who went on to direct Michael Fassbender in a few movies of his own. Yeah. And Jeff Daniels in The Martian. Oh, yeah, that's uh-huh. right. Ridley uh-huh. Scott. Well, that's why it looks so good then. Yeah. Ridley Scott the famous commercial doing. did not show the computer at all. Nope. Yeah, if you no, saw the commercial, I went back and rewatched it. They didn't it. have the computer. Like, whenever well, they, they, yes. Never mind. If you saw the no, commercial. I mean, you're right, though. They didn't have it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it wasn't in it at all. If you saw that commercial, would you be like, "I gotta get that computer"? No, it no. was no, no it was because the whole thing behind it is PR major over here. Um, it was supposed to be building. It was branding a lifestyle rather than a product. It was it was um it was publicity for the company, not for the computer. So they're trying to tell you that if you own an Apple product, you'll be like living this futuristic lifestyle. Rather than like, oh, this is such a great computer. And that's what people picked up on. And I think the film aids to this in part because I think that's part of Jobs' fundamental misunderstanding. Yes. Also, it it wasn't necessarily just uh, about a futuristic lifestyle. Another thing that was uh, explored in the book a lot more was that Steve Jobs... In the the one half or the one uh, third of the book that... Anyways, (laughs) uh, it was that Steve Jobs kind of viewed his like competition like and this was in the movie too it's like ibm versus apple he sort of like viewed himself as like the underdog as like the luke skywalker and that that um that advertisement was supposed to like portray like breaking the uh, you know rebelling against ibm and we're the underdogs and we're gonna save computing and stuff like that so you're supposed to get that rebellious nature and you're supposed to feel like that buying a mac um of course the mac was not that good so you didn't really yeah, because it was, it was closed end-to-end, which is a very big talking point yeah. that I think, especially like nowadays, Apple gets away with it because everything they have is closed end-to-end. But then when computers 
the the main people that were buying computers were people that wanted to modify Obvious. and work with them. Yeah, that was that was the audience, and that's why Wozniak knew that, and it went awry. I think that commercial, though, I mean, it is it's like a a moment in history for changing the way one Super Bowl commercials work because that is now that's the market is. How can we get people talking? The Bud Light Night and all sorts of the Bud crazy Night, if you will, Puppy Monkey Baby, uh, that too. And now, of course, the even the fact that now people are releasing the Super Bowl commercials before the Super Bowl even I happens, stupid, which annoys insane. the heck out of me. By There's the way, there's the Breaking Bad alternate universe where they make popcorners. And stuff. I love that. I hate that. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. it's awful. He loves it. I think it's kind Peter of Peter Coleslaw. Like, why would they do? Up. What if they did like uh, what, what's another TV show? I the Sopranos. What if they, yeah, what if they had like Sopranos <laughs> selling Mountain Dew? Well, no, That'd they did. Awesome. They, they did have a Sopranos uh, commercial that I actually watched in my reproducing popular culture class. So it was a commercial, I believe, six or seven years ago, and it parallels the opening to Sopranos. Which, for those who haven't seen the yeah. Sopranos, it's Tony driving in the car with like <laughs> music playing. Yeah. So then it does it again around New New York, basically, and it's actually his son and daughter who are in the car, and it's like a first Chevy. So. Mm. They, 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 in that, in that one, Chevy sell. Speaking of Soprano, the Soprano inspired commercials. You ever seen the Clinton ad campaign where it was just they were reenacting the Sopranos ending, but it doesn't make sense why they did. No, because <laughs> what they shoot Clinton. Can I spoil? Yeah, at, I'm gonna spoil <laughs> the Sopranos. Tony gets shot at the end. So it's they implied. Say. So they say. But like the. You, just go check it out. It is the most bizarre political ad I've ever seen. I love it. It's do, so weird. Glad so Wait, funny. do they shoot Clinton? Is that no, what no, it no, is? no? Like, like it's Hillary, and they're just like reenacting the Sopranos, but like it doesn't. So I don't who know gets why. Shot? Nobody does. It doesn't make sense. What? <laughs> it could just completely misunderstand the Sopranos ending. It's just like, I it's like, love oh, it's politics. Like, you like the Sopranos? We're reenacting, and we're the Clintons. Vote for us. I so love politics so much. I also. If we can circle back to Steve Jobs uh, for for a moment, I love the fact that even though this movie is about so much, it really is about a father and his daughter, mm. and it's so Those good. Are the best movies. All three actresses to play Lisa. Bye good boom. job. Yeah. All really great jobs. They look alike too. They do. They, the casting department gets a thumbs up from all of us here for that. That's really great work, and I, I love how Sorkin he his dialogue is not necessarily. It's very snappy. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is snappy. Okay? Yeah, I got, I got some. I got, um, it is snappy, but he does set up a lot of foreshadowing that is very easy to spot. Like for example, he emphasizes so much that they never start late, so that when he chooses to start late for his daughter, it means yes. something. Yes. I appreciate that. There's not. I don't care if I'll be late. Yeah, I appreciate that they set up something. Even that's so simple, but it goes a long way, and it really does, in my what opinion. If, in this, what if film. when he was talking to his daughter, Joanna Hoffman, like runs out, and she's like, "Steve, you're about to start late." You never start. Lo- His daughter. Oh, you're gonna start. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> Sounds like an MC. That'd be a Josh movie. Weed. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, oh, oh my I'm gosh. Starting late. I know the time. Ministry of Truth. I've got our segment. Okay, um, he's got it. Thank you very much, Davis, for that. Uh, Actually, it was, it was a combo of the two of you. Uh, thank you very much. I don't much. know what I did. This uh, the whole thing you're talking about. Um, the dialogue though. Did you notice in the social network when they're in the club trying to talk? It's so hard to understand. I, I did. I did love that sound design. I think it's some of the best sound design, which is a credit to I believe it was Atticus and or Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross that put that together. And I think the film in this one, Skybar it's such a great combination <laughs> of soundtracks again in this film. It really builds to it. I did think that um, at least the song at the very end was very out of place. Did, do you, what, was was in it? It felt like a two thousand song? song. I don't know. I don't think it was Coldplay, but it just felt. I want to know what it odd. was because I remember that. 
Um, I think Steve Jobs really liked Coldplay. You know, he liked Bob Dylan. I, he can like two artists. <laughs> he can like more than one band. <laughs> he liked Joni Alex. Mitchell, too. He did like Joni Mitchell. That's true. He, he, he liked did. the Beatles, probably. Probably. Who no, knows? he actually hated the Beatles. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, so yeah, no, he can like more than one band. Don't Look Back into the Sun by the Libertines? Libertines? I think is what it was. Oh, yeah. Libertines? Yeah, My I don't know. My computer just exploded. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I feel like that is accurate because that's like when they made the iPod. That was like yep. the, that was the music and they were dancing to an iPod, and they had the the, the commercials that people. Oh, were dancing. I actually fun fact that was the first song ever played on an iPod. Is that true? I also made that. Yeah, up. that's true. That's true. I, it's we true. just looked it up. It's true. <laughs> I've got a fun fact for you guys. It's better be fun. Uh, the three act film was shot in sequence. The actors spent four weeks on each act, rehearsing for two, and then filming I, for wait, two. Can I guess how it ends? Yeah. Michael Fassbender already had his 180 line, 180 page script memorized by that's the end true. of it. That's true. Which is very Steve Jobs. Very cool though. I, I like read that. that. I read that earlier. <laughs> Wait, what? St- say that again. He <sighs> yeah, Michael he, Fassbender he cut me off. Had the script memorized at by the end. by at the end of the movie. Well, by the third act, he had it memorized the entire script. Uh, okay. I think that's kind of his job. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, say, also, Fassbender said, "What if he's wa- what if the whole movie's just holding it?" <laughs> yeah. <time? laughs> It's it's displayed on a teleprompter just right out of. You can see him just glancing off screen between every line. <laughs> and despite our debates earlier, Fassbender said in an interview that Christian Bale would have been perfect to play Steve mm-hmm. Jobs. "Quote: I thought to myself, he Christian Bale is perfect. Why isn't he doing it? I actually called him up and told him that myself. Davis has read up so much about this movie. <laughs> I read, like every single bit of trivia earlier. <laughs> My computer exploded though, so I can't. Oh read dear, it that, that's unfortunate. But what what other thoughts do we have on this movie, guys? I just think it's it's so just good." Every scene is very enjoyable. I love the conversation between Scully and Steve Jobs, by the way. I think that is just two titans and Jeff Daniels and Michael Fassbender going toe-to-toe. Who knew Jeff Daniels could be such a good actor when he's so silly and dumb and dumber? That's true. Oh. I've never seen you Dumb and Dumber. in the newsroom. I knew Jeff Daniels could have been a good actor. If you watch the newsroom, you'd know this. Yes. I love the newsroom. Yeah. Yes. Never seen it. Sure. Well, you, need, you need to watch the newsroom. I'll consider it. Is it on anything? Or do they wipe uh, it? It's on HBO. Oh yeah, there you go. It's, it's right there with West Wing. Every time I watch West Wing, it's like, do you want to watch the newsroom? HBO, West Wing, so you do 16 Sunset Strip, Sports Night. Sports Night. Watch that. <laughs> you know, you know what else Shorkin wrote? What? A few Good Men. <gasps> That's right. Oh, yeah. Which it, it is interesting. I think his movies, the dialogue just feels so so natural in a sense, like. The fact, that, when we were the fact that conversations jump around and the fact that not every conversation ends with like a finite line, you know what I mean? Sometimes Steve just walks away. Yeah. I think it, the fact that him and Waz's conversations don't really end finite until the very, very end. They kind of end in the air, which is how humans I would interact, I would say. His biggest critique, though, is that his dialogue is typically very like elevated. Like you, do you know walk what and I mean? Talk. The yeah, it's like the walk and talk, but it's like very like intellectual. It is. That's true, and that I think you se- certainly see that in. And this. a lot of people don't like it. Well, those people are wrong. <laughs> Respectfully, of course. True. Any final thoughts, though, guys, on Steve Jobs before we wrap this up and move on to our last segment? Um, I would just like to say, so like, when I remember a couple months ago, uh, Davis and Grayson were like. Uh, trying to find a movie to watch, and they were on Netflix. And I was like, oh, watch Steve Jobs. It's amazing, and I love it. And Grayson was like, oh, I don't want to watch Steve Jobs because he was a terrible person. You know, he was rude and whatever, and some other terms I can't uh, say right now. But, like, yeah, Steve <laughs> Jobs. catastrophizing. No, he he used expletives to describe I don't remember. Jobs. I'm sure. I was, any, why, I, why is that unbelievable to you? It's like, not unbelievable. I feel like that's such a thing that even if I was making up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Anyway, anyway, okay. we're making a good like, point. Steve Jobs like was like very rude, and he 
did like not ostracize, but like drive people away because mm-hmm. he was a very like I want to say he's a bad person, but you you all know what I'm talking about. He was very intense. He was very intense. And this movie doesn't, like, shy away from that or, like, try to portray him as, like, a god who invented computers. Like, it very much leans into that. And it portrays him, like, very accurately. And even though he's, like, chewing these people out and being very rude to them, you want to keep on watching because the dialogue is so good that even when he, like, says something incredibly rude... It's, like, so entertaining to watch. And I think the film also picks its points to show his vulnerability specifically yes. behind closed doors. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make him a caricature. There, there's enough there, and especially by the end, he very clearly has mellowed out, and it's very pleasant to honestly see it. And I think the film gives it the there's time no to see what he's like and to understand exactly, like, all of his bickering with Chrisan and stuff about Lisa, and at the very end, he always ends up with, I'll give you the money. Like he says, yeah. without without a second thought. So I, I think that's a nice detail there where he's not so terrible. And I will say this little little interesting detail: Edwin Catmull, who was the who is the president of Pixar Animation Studios and Walt Disney Animation Studios, felt that Jobs would be appalled at his depiction in the film, arguing that he was a kinder person later in life than is portrayed in the picture. Of course, what people forget between his journey at Next and then back to Apple is he actually worked at Pixar for a time and helped them develop their Pixar. technology there. And yeah, he helped fund it and found the corp, the company that then became what it is today, and is obviously making millions, if not yes. billions, of dollars at this point in everything. So, what are we gonna rate Steve Jobs, everybody? Nine, ten. I'm willing to give it a ten as well, honestly. Ainsley, I'll, I'll give it like a nine point five. I think it's interesting though, like ha- that the ending's like happy because I feel like with a lot of Sorkin's like screenplays. That we see kind of like more like bittersweet endings than we see. Do you want to see him die or something? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like it was just kind of fun to see something where like the, he gets his daughter to forgive him and then like things are looking up and it's not like any big crisis kind of yeah. happened. Yeah. Just wait for the sequel. I think <laughs> I think it it doesn't it doesn't want to delve into the tragic end of Steve Jobs' life because that is something that's been well documented. So it kind of leaves it on a he. Might have made his repairs, though his daughter Lisa did say that it was always difficult to sort of their relationship was always difficult, even though there were steps made in the right direction. And also, Bill Atkinson denounced denounced the film as not truthful at all. That wasn't his character. The events didn't happen. You think of Jobs as having a reality distortion field. I think Aaron Sorkin as having a history distortion field. It's a good movie. Interesting. Up. Good movie. I'm gonna give it a 9.5 out of 10, strictly because oh, it's my now. one my one critique is that. Steve Wozniak actually left Apple in 1985, so it does change that bit of history, implying that he still was working with the company as of 1993. And I don't like when movies just change that for dramatic effect, because at the in their confrontation at the end, Jobs says you can keep your job, and you're getting to keep your job. Well, he'd already left Apple and moved on, so I don't mm. like that. That was a de- I just don't like when movies change details like that that are kind of consequential to the story. But personal. I have one last fun fact. Go ahead. Uh, back, back, back when Steve Jobs was a hippie, he would. He would not shower or a deodorant because he thought eating fruit would make him smell good. Oh, it I, didn't. That I hated the scene with the toilet. I'm I'm a big germaphobe. Oh yeah, he did that. I, like, that was a, It's like it's like a well. He, he did oh, it he all the his, time. He washed his feet. He washed his feet. Yeah, he washed his feet in yeah, toilets. Yeah. toilets and he that did do that. Freaks me what out. Mean, what do you mean he did do that? No, he did it in the movie. Yeah, I know. But I he just, did it in real I life just, too. Just, yeah. so weird guy. It freaks me out, man. I'm a big germaphobe, and like that's like a public toilet. Yeah, he's a weird guy. Like. Contagion is a re- is also a movie, and it's my horror movie. Yeah, he also like went to India and got like super, super, super sick because he went into a hotel 
and he was like, hey, is the water clean? They were like, yeah. <laughs> and he drank it and got really sick. Oh, dear. Oh, gosh. And Jobs does have a whole other history of that, and that's something for a podcast that is not our own. But now we can move on. I don't know if we want to do the what have we been watching segment because we probably watched nothing else besides stuff for this. I mean, I Bye, Cameron. Cameron has to go. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Cameron has to become before, Steve Jobs. Goodbye. Cameron, before you go, though, would you like to at least – you can head out, but I, I'm going to read off the Ministry of Truth segment. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania had its big premiere at Hollywood for all the big wigs, and our the favorite guy exploded. on Twitter, um, Matt Ramos, said this. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is truly episode one of what is sure to be a crazy cinematic series. You have to enjoy this movie more as an episode of something greater rather than its own standalone film that concludes a trilogy. So, Davis, it seems like we're back to being told how to enjoy Marvel movies. So, in other words, it's going to suck is basically what they're saying. Yes, Ainsley. You've already learned the ways of the MCU. <laughs> Excellent. It's just... Excellent. What a terrible... Davis, you just not even... I don't... I feel like I've spoke ad nauseum. On all these. But now again, we're back to be just like Thor Love and Thunder being told how to enjoy a film. Do I have to say something? Yes. It's so stupid. <laughs> I I hate the fact that they're like, oh, you're not gonna like it until you see the next one. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Burn it down, man. Yeah, the I, first four books are terrible, but that fifth one, it makes it all worth it. Burn no. it down. No. I I just cannot believe that. That is the sentiment they're carrying with it is that, oh, enjoy it as an episode of a saga. I don't want to enjoy two and a half hours as an episode of a saga. Excuse me very much. Can I just, like, skip to the next one then? That's what I'm saying. I mean, I did that. I'm, I'm going to watch it. it, but... I watched Dark Strange Multiverse of Madness without watching WandaVision. I was perfectly fine. Okay, but WandaVision was actually good. No, WandaVision was mid. No. Yes. No, it, it was, was good. Movie, movies or show is mid. It is not. Oh my gosh, terrorism's okay if you're really sad, everybody. Evan <laughs> Peters is going to be... Fl- that is Quick not show, what actually, it was no, saying. Not. That is what it was Boner. saying. Leave alone my terrorizing Guys, Wanda. thank goodness Wanda figured out that terrorizing an entire town of people was wrong because she emotionally she made up sad. fake children. Burn she it to sad. the ground. Alex, leave my girl alone. Uh, no, she's bad. You be hating on Nicole. You be hating on Wanda. Leave them alone. Nicole? Kidman. Yes. Yeah, Nicole Kidman also mid. Anyway, uh, have... The bar just waved yet again. It's Friday! Anyway, uh, Ainsley, have you watched anything uh, recently of consequence? Um, I mean, The Last of Us. Yes, episode five, episode five coming out on Friday. Which I think we're all I very excited. I would have skipped the Super Bowl to watch it. I got you, HBO. I would have done it for yeah, you. Yeah, I, I would not. Have, I don't know if I've got HBO like that. Davis, you got HBO like that? Oh, sorry. It's, it's hitting me. Uh-oh. I've been up all day. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> it, it was funny until you said that, Davis. <laughs> anyway, anything else other than Last of Us? Uh, um, I this mean, also includes what you've been reading. True, yes, reading as well. Any, any interesting see, books? Listen, um, our Goodreads score isn't as good as it was last year. If um, Just a little something for our listeners is Ainsley has read 95 books last year. She's only read two this year. So I'm a bit you behind. You still got a whole year ahead of you. Yeah. I'm thinking about rereading books, though, which is bad because I have, like, ten books I haven't read on my shelf. It's hard to read books during the school year. It's just not there's, – there's too much stuff going on. Yeah. It's very difficult. Well, anyway, I think that just about wraps it up unless we have any other final thoughts to share with our listeners. Oh, gotta, wait. Okay, oh. but if we're talking about books, though, there is um, Daisy Jones and the Six, right. which Reese Witherspoon's production company – it's uh, Hello Sunshine – 
is adapting into a limited series that's going to be on Amazon Prime. Ba boom. Ah, oh, there you go. With Sam Claflin. The guy from The Hunger Games. I don't know that one. And, and that guy from uh, you. Wait, yes, yes, that movie. That movie. Yeah, I remember that. And also, apparently, a Spider Man Noir live action series is going to Amazon. I love when just, if there's 100 IPs out there, we'll never be bored, Davis. Davis is done, I think. Well, I think that just I have, about... I have no comments on this silliness. That, that just about wraps up our show. But first, some two trivia questions. Don't answer them, Ainsley. Do Who okay. drives Miss Daisy in the 1989 oh movie God. Driving Miss Daisy? I'm not going to give the options. That's so easy. One of them is Donald Glover, though. That's an option. Anyway, um, really? I'm, I'm kidding now. Danny Glover. Yeah, I know. It was a joke. And then as of 2013, how many movies are there in the Saw franchise? Too many. Both both excellent questions to be answered next time. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. Ainsley, thanks again for joining us uh, today. We hope you enjoyed being on the show. Always Thank appreciate you. having a listener come on. And again, her favorite movie is The Social Network. She's quoted the line where uh, Eduardo yells at Mark Zuckerberg many times. I'm sorry. No, I mean, you're sorry what? My product's at the cleaners. See, along with a lot of other things she can't say. And with that, her mic is getting turned off. But... Thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of Through the Lens. Our quest for three episodes in one week is now complete. Davis has passed out on the floor. I'm exhausted. My head hurts. But we have done it, and we hope you have enjoyed them with us. We hope you've enjoyed another episode here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And if you have any thoughts on two of Sorkin's best, The Social Network or Steve Jobs, you can reach out to the show directly by following us on Instagram at Through the Lens Weagle. That's Through the Lens W-E-G-L. We'll be back next week to discuss another pair of films, but a bit of disa- a bit of a different tone. Disaster has struck the set of Through the Lens, and we are leaving the classics behind for Armageddon and Deep Impact. The good, which is few and far between, the bad, which is vast, and the space dimension will all be discussed in next week's episode. This is Alex Houston alongside my co-host, Davis Carroll, and special guest Cameron and Ainsley signing off, and we will talk again next week.